Over the final two weeks of the season, the New York Mets have a chance to get revenge on the Marlins that goes back 15 years. Can they pull it off? We'll talk about it on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we're going to be discussing Mets Marlins and a chance for revenge 15 to 16 years in the making. I'll be going through why this is a really fun opportunity for the Mets to play a spoiler. In the second segment, we'll discuss the weekend series and uh, what's left to watch uh, individually for the New York Mets when it comes to some of the top players for the final two weeks of this season. And then in the final segment, Binghamton Rumble Pony Playoff Time. I'll preview their playoff matchup uh, that'll be coming up this week. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FicklesteinRyan. Also, find some I'm writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you can up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Unfortunately, what we're going to do on today's show is take you back in time to one of the most painful experiences of the past two decades when it comes to being a Mets fan because the Mets now have an opportunity over the next week and a half to exact revenge on a team that broke our hearts 16 and then 15 years ago. Of course, you're not aware of where I'm going with this. I'll take you back to 2007, a year removed from when the New York Mets were a hit away uh, from going to the World Series in the NLCS and Carlos Beltran struck out looking. The following year with a team that had so much hype, the New York Mets, as we all unfortunately remember, carried a seven-game lead in the division with 17 games left to play, and they ended up missing the playoffs altogether. The team that caught them was the Phillies, the same team that would catch them and win the division again in 2008 and go on to win the World Series. The Phillies, of course, are a team that you always hate, no matter what. The Marlins are a team that you only hate at the end of the season, typically, when the Mets are playing for something, the Marlins are not. And that's not to say the Mets are always playing for something, because we know they haven't (laughs) for a very long time. Consistently, the Mets find themselves uh, out of the race, right? I'm not trying to say the Mets are always in it, but... They have been in the race more than the Marlins have because the Marlins, in the course of their history, have two playoff appearances and they won the World Series both times. Now, granted, there is a third one technically if we go back to 2020, but I think everyone just puts that season aside in its own little box because it was a weird year. Nothing really counts the same there. So the Marlins right now are sitting in the best position that they've been in outside of the two years where they made the playoffs as a wildcard team to once again 
cash their ticket and make it to October. And they're feeling like a team of destiny when you see what they did this weekend. Absolutely destroying the mighty Atlanta Braves. They outscored them this weekend 36-13. to Okay? The last game they won 16-2. to Just an absolute blood. Now the Braves, they already know that they've won this division. So how much were they playing this weekend? Who knows? But the bottom line is the Marlins have a lot to play for. They're sitting right now in the third wildcard spot. It is a very, very tight race. Okay, you have the Cubs and the Marlins tied for that third spot. You have the Diamondbacks who are a half a game up of them. And then the Phillies are sitting pretty comfortably atop the wildcard race, three and a half games up. But the Marlins are in this tenuous position because not only are they right there with the D-backs and the Cubs, the Reds are half a game back and the Giants are two games back. So anything can happen in these final two weeks of the season for them. The Mets, their tragic number is five. They're obviously not making the playoffs, but they have something to play for. They can go out and play spoiler against their division rivals. All the games left this season are played against the Marlins and the Phillies. Three games in Miami, four games in Philly, and then they come back home for their last home state of the season, or they'll play a three-game set starting on Tuesday against the Marlins, and then they'll close it out against the Phillies. That last series most likely won't matter. There's every chance the Phillies will clinch a, a playoff berth prior to the final series of the season. They might be playing for seeding, but the Mets are not really in a position where they're going to be able to spoil much for the Phillies. The Marlins, they can absolutely knock them out of the playoffs. And this, again, brings me back to 16 years ago, 15 years ago. I was, what, I guess 12 years old? in 2007 and the Mets actually that year, they went 11 and seven against the Marlins, but you don't remember that because it was the last series of the season where they played the Marlins and they lost that series, which completed the meltdown of a September. The Mets had And The funny thing is they started September winning nine of their first 11 games, but then they get swept by the Phillies. And that was really what set the stage for the class because that's what put the Phillies within range. And then over, a following stretch, um, or actually that was part of a stretch, that first sweep, where they lost 12 of those final 17 games. Funny thing is, of the five games they won in uh, that stretch, four of them came against the Marlins because they won a four-game series against the Marlins, and they won one of the games in that final series. But the Marlins still took two or three, and that was the difference. All right? So... Then you go to the following year. And while, you know, it, it wasn't uh, as big of a collapse, the Mets did have a lead in the division going to September. And by month's end, they were a game back of the Phillies when they had that final series against the Marlins. There was one game the Mets won in that series when Johan Santana had a complete game shutout. It was a masterful performance. And then we all know what happened. Marlins won the final game, um, and, and Tom Glavin gave up seven runs, didn't get out of the first inning. So, uh, yeah, brutal finishes those two years. And, and you look back, and in 2007, they win one more game against the Marlins. They get to play game 163 for the division against the Phillies. 2008, if they win one more game against the Marlins, they would have had a one-game playoff against the Brewers for the wild card. But in both of those instances, the Marlins played spoiler, 
And now the Mets have a chance to return the favor. And you're looking at this upcoming series. And while this is a Marlins team that is red hot, sweeping the Braves, they also, after having lost the previous series to the Brewers, the two series before that, they beat the Dodgers and the Phillies. So over the last four series, they beat the Dodgers, they beat the Phillies, they lost to the Brewers, then they swept the Braves. So they're playing great baseball. But sometimes when a team is playing great baseball, they're due for a swing back in the other direction. You look at the starters for this series. Jose Budo versus Edward Cabrera. Edward Cabrera has a 4-6-7 ERA this season. Jose Budo has shocked us every time he's taken the ball. Could the Mets steal game one? And if they do, guess who's starting game three? Kodai Senga. And the Marlins have not even announced the starter for that game. Game two is going to be Joe Lucchese versus Braxton Garrett. Pair of left-handed starters going at it. Garrett has a 3-6-7 ERA this season on a much larger sample size than the one Joe Lucchese has worked with. But if Wednesday night is a rubber match game, it's going to be a lot of fun. Kodai Sang on the mound. And then you still have the series next week. So this is an opportunity where you can tune in to watch the Mets baseball games. That means something against the division rival that you just don't want to see in the playoffs. If you can knock them out, why not get a little bit of revenge? One little note, the Mets are five and two against the Marlins this year. So they really could be the main thing that keeps the Marlins out of the playoffs. And there is still a petty sixth grader inside of me um, that remembers the pain, the heartache from all those years ago. Uh, And mind you, I was born and raised in South Florida. I still live down here now. So sixth and seventh grade, there was plenty of Marlins fans in my life that let me hear it. Nowadays, uh, I don't associate with many vocal Marlins fans. It's hard to find vocal Marlins fans. Uh, But I still would love to uh, see the Mets knock out the fish. Why not? Give us a little bit of feel good in what's just very clearly one of the most forgettable seasons in franchise history. I don't even know if forgettable is the word because it's so memorable for how bad it was, but the most disastrous in franchise history. With that said, there were still some positive takeaways from the weekend slate against the Reds. So we'll talk about some of the takeaways from that series and other just milestones and things that we can watch out for in the final two weeks of this season when it comes to individuals on the Mets. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Modern medical care and treatment are important, but our global supply chains are fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment you need. Jace Medical is your solution. Just fill out their online form and one of their board-certified physicians will review it to determine whether medications are safe and appropriate. Then they send your prescriptions to one of their partner pharmacies where your Jace order will be filled and mailed directly to your home. Not only this, you can send your physician a message for answers to treatment-related questions anytime. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. The New York Mets play the Miami Marlins at 640 Eastern time tonight. 
Catch every pitch from the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Over the weekend, the New York Mets lost a series to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, they dropped the first two games of that series before winning the finale on Sunday. Ended up being a 4-3 and three week for your Mets as they took 3-4 or four from the D-backs before losing that series over the weekend. I did break down Friday night's game a bit on the Saturday podcast that I posted over the weekend, so you can always check that out. Um, on Saturday night, uh, Tyler McGill got the loss, but pitched relatively well. He allowed three runs. Two of them were earned on nine hits and two walks, a very McGill start, uh, but you know, went five and two-thirds and solid. He's just been solid lately. I don't think that this really changes my viewpoint of him as a pitcher. I still think he's a guy you bring into next season as a good depth arm on your 40 who can get spot starts and you know, can plug a hole in your rotation when someone goes down for a couple weeks. But if he is in that rotation for a large portion of the season, the Mets probably aren't going too far. That's just where I'm at with him. But we'll see. You never know. Maybe he goes, comes to the next season and looks much improved. Um Ryan Mauricio and Francisco Alvarez each had multi-hit games on Saturday and they each drove in the two runs the Mets scored, but the offense didn't do nearly enough. Sunday they did, though. Uh, you know, they were able to put up a bunch of runs in the third inning. Tim LaCastro and Brennan Nimmo led things off with a pair of hits. LaCastro scored in a wild pitch when Francisco Lindor was up. Lindor drew a walk, and then Francisco Alvarez drove in both Nimmo and Lindor with a double. Mark Vientos drove in Lindor in the fifth inning with an RBI single. He went three for four on the day with all three hits carrying an exit velocity over 100 miles per hour. He doesn't qualify for anything yet, hasn't had enough at-bats, but if you look at rankings at Baseball Savant, it's clear that he would be among the top hitters in hard hit percentage and average exit velocity. Doesn't matter when your stats are still as low um, and bad as they are for Vientos on the season, but that is the one thing that you look at with him that makes you feel a little optimistic because at least when he puts bat on ball, he's hitting it really hard. Hard hit percentage, 52.2% of the time, exit velocity, excuse me, the average exit velocity, 93.3 miles per hour. And he does rank among the top 5% of the league in max exit velocity because that's not a stat that you need to qualify for. It's just that max exit velo you hit, where does that rank? It is in the top 5% of batters in the league. Now, the Mets, they ended up having a big seventh inning where they scored four. Daniel Vogelback with a bases-clearing double. Ryan Mauricio also had an RBI single in that inning. The story of the day, though, was Jose Quintana. He pitched another gem. He continues to prove just how solid he is and how much of a loss he was the first half of the season. He gave up two runs on eight hits and a walk, only struck out two, but it was just a typical Quintana start attacking the zone, pitching to contact, working around the hits that he gave up, limiting the extra base hits. You know, it's mostly singles. Did give up a home run in this game, but as, you know, they show pretty much every start that Quintana has, his home run per nine allowed since the start of last season. It's among the best in all of baseball. He's looking like a real consistent known commodity as we head into next year, which the Mets don't have a lot of in that starting rotation. To see him continue to pitch well, has been uh, really nice. And I look forward to his last couple starts of the season. Other than that, though, I mean, there wasn't really much to discuss from this series against the Reds. The Mets could have won all those games, but doesn't really matter much. Uh, now at least you, you get into these matchups against 
their division rivals where you hope that the Mets have even more to play for and make it fun for the last two weeks of baseball because as much as this has been a frustrating season to watch, for all you diehards out there when the, the calendar turns to October and the games stop and the playoffs begin and you can't tune into Mets baseball every night, even as bad as it's been for I think all of us sickos out there who bleed blue and orange, it's still going to suck not to have Mets baseball for a while. So take it in while you can. And I think there is reason to believe the Mets can play spoilers over the, these last two weeks because their lineup is pretty good now. I mean, Brandon M.O., Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil, DJ Stewart, it's quality veteran hitters that are putting up good at bats most games. And then you have Ryan Mauricio and Francisco Alvarez who have been you know, coming alive lately. And even Mark Vientos has started to swing a bit of a hot bat. So you look up and down that lineup, there's a lot of hitters that can do stuff. And even Daniel Vogelback, when he gets in there, he's been you know, a lot better since the deadline. Brett Beatty's been banged up, so he's been out of the lineup. But that honestly hasn't been a bad thing because he wasn't hitting well when in the lineup. A um, couple other things. We could see Starling Marte come back. Louis Giorme could come back. I don't know how that really um, has any bearings down the stretch, but just things to note. Jeff McNeil also started the game in center field on Sunday, which is just a fun little thing for him who, you know, he's now played every position, but pitcher and catcher in his big league career. And who knows, maybe the Mets in a lost season decided to throw him behind the plate at some point in these final stretch of games. Don't imagine they would do that until the last series, but maybe game 162, you let him catch an inning and why not have him pitch the following inning and just wrap it all up have him join. I think it's a list of 65 players in MLB history who have ever played all nine. Uh, so Jeff McNeil could accomplish that. Last little thing here, milestones and reasons for optimism for why the Mets could play spoiler. For one, in the last 31 games played, dating back to August 14th, the Mets are 16 and 15, one game over 500. Is that great? Absolutely not. But it's better than playing 12 games under, which they did the entire season prior to that. They also, in their last nine series, or actually their last 10 series, they have one split and they're four and five in the other nine series. So they've been a 500 baseball team. 500 baseball team can win some series here. And even just you know taking whatever it is, let's just say it's uh, three games against the Marlins down the stretch in these final six, that might mean the difference in the Marlins making the playoffs. They're looking at their schedule and saying, we need to beat up this New York Mets team. So we'll see what happens. Uh, other things to watch in these final two weeks outside of playing spoiler. Two more starts for each of the guys in, the, in this rotation right now. The Mets are rolling with the six-man rotation. So that's Kodai Senga, Jose Quintana, Jose Budo, David Peterson, Tyler McGill, Joey Lucchese. Not in that particular order, but those are the six guys that all get those turns down the stretch. And all of them have some bearing on the rotation next year. Budo, I believe, would get three starts because he's starting the first game of this upcoming series, which is good. Good to see what you have there. Uh, the milestones left. Pete Alonso, five home runs away from 50. Tough to hit five home runs in two weeks, but if your name's Pete Alonso, it certainly can happen. Francisco Lindor, four home runs away, four stolen bases away for joining the 30-30 club. Not necessarily likely at this point, but hey, he gets a home run and a stolen base in each series. He's there, so we can't count him out on that. Uh, Francisco Alvarez, Brennan Nemo, each two home runs away from 25. And before the season, I did a podcast, 10 bold predictions for the Mets this year. I beg you not to watch it or listen to it because, man, those are some brutal predictions at this point. But 
with that said, one of the predictions is still very much in play. I predicted that the Mets rookies would hit 40 home runs this year. Uh, that was Beatty, Alvarez, and Vientos. I did not include Ronnie Mauricio in that, although if I did, I believe I'd be one closer. So if you want to include him, that'd be 36 on the season, 23 from Alvarez. He's carried the team in that regard. Seven from Beatty, five from Vientos. There's 35. Can those three combine for five more? We throw in Mauricio, get a little bit closer. We'll see if the Mets rookies can hit 40 on the year. But other than that, hey, four more series to watch, and then we put 2023 to a fitting end, which is going to be a season we won't forget anytime soon, but we all hope to. Anyway, Binghamton will be in the playoffs. I want to preview what that will look like for the AA affiliate of the New York Mets. We'll get to that in a minute before we do. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. The MLB playoffs are around the corner, which means the clock is taking your chance to receive 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball's never been more exciting than right now with guys like Ronald Cunha Jr. and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman on this MVP race. And, you know, you got your Mets. Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, they're chasing milestones. You want to pick more or less on their stats like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more? You can do so for up to 100-time payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you can win big. They also have football, so football season's here. You can go play Sleeper uh, for that. Same thing applies, more or less on stats for your stars. It's daily fantasy baseball, daily fantasy football. With built-in group chat functionality where you can see and copy your group's picks, with a tap of a button so you can play with friends and all try to win together. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy. And they're safe and fast withdrawals. Use promo code locked on. You'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Well, there's at least one affiliate of the New York Mets that will play some playoff baseball, and that is the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, where all of the Mets' top prospects nearly uh, are now starring together. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see them play in a Subway Series. Not really, but when it comes to the affiliates, the two New York teams going head-to-head, Somerset versus Binghamton, Somerset being the Yankees' double-A affiliate, who actually won each half of the season. So basically how the minor league playoffs works. I've explained this before, but again, it's the first half winner versus the second half winner in each division. They go head to head. But if the first half winner wins the second half, the team with the best winning percentage besides them in that second half will play them head to head. So Binghamton ended up finishing a game and a half behind Somerset in the second half, but they were the other best team. So now those two teams square off. And the first game is played in Binghamton on Tuesday, and then there's a day off before games two and three, game three if necessary, are played in Somerset. It'll be interesting to see which pitchers will go in this series for the Rumble Ponies. Uh, Where's my Rumble Ponies hat? Here I am talking Rumble Ponies without the hat on. My bad. Uh, Game one, based on how guys have been pitching, I do wonder if it's Jawander Suarez. He pitched 
on the 14th. So you'd think he'd be rested to go. He has yet to allow a run in double A and three starts. Also, though, hasn't paid his dues as much as other pitchers. Maybe Christian Scott gets the nod, although he is on an innings limit. So he's not going to pitch more than maybe three innings, I would say. They could piggyback those guys. Start Scott, then bring in Suarez. They can go the other way with it. Start Suarez. And hey, if he goes six, maybe Scott can close the game for you. Interesting how they decide to line that up. Christian Scott did pitch out of the pen in college, uh, so it, it wouldn't be foreign to him. Uh, that's the way the Mets maybe started off. They can't go to Dominic Camel uh, for that game one because he last pitched on the 15th, so I imagine he'll get the ball in game two as the guy who's been you know, part of Binghamton from day one and really kind of earned that type of a start uh, to either win a series, if the Mets win game one, or prolong the season for one more game for a game three. And then I wonder if Blade Tidwell gets the ball in game three. Last year, he was pitching in St. Lucie in the playoffs. wonder if this year he's pitching in Binghamton in the playoffs, a couple levels up. He is the highest upside arm in the Mets system right now. He threw 30 pitches on Sunday before getting pulled. Um, imagine that was to keep him you know, fresh for the playoffs. Also, wasn't really thrown that well. Gave up a couple of runs and had a lot of deep counts. But he could certainly start game three. Look at how the Mets might line it up when it comes to the offense. Jet Williams been playing a lot of shortstop since making that uh, debut in double A. I think that might continue because he hasn't really played anything other than shortstop and center this year, and that's where they put him in double A. Maybe they want to keep him at those two positions for now, which has pushed Luis and Helicuna to second base, a position he has a little more time and comfort with. So those two guys up the middle, Jeremiah Jackson at third, a guy who's Played great since coming over in that Dominic Leone trade at the deadline. Kevin Parada, catcher, he's starting to get his feet wet in double A. Drew Gilbert in center field. And you look at that collection there, that's five of probably the top 10 position player prospects in the Mets system. That's if you're not counting Ronnie Mauricio. Um, but even then, I mean, you count Mauricio, Con Hauk, Marco Vargas, Ryan Clifford. Some combination there that probably gets you to the top 10 position player prospects in the Mets system. And really, if you look at Williams, Acuna, Prada, and Gilbert, you know, for a lot of different outlets, that might be for the Mets' top five prospects. I mean, Mauricio is considered among that group. Ryan Clifford considered a top five prospects uh, in, in, from a lot of outlets right now as well. I know personally I had Clifford number four, but regardless, it's a lot of future Mets, hopefully, uh, that are going to be playing in a playoff situation. So, if you have MLB.tv, you can watch uh, there and, and check out uh, some double-A playoff action. Should be a lot of fun this week. So I'll be breaking that down, of course, for all you everydayers throughout this week and hopefully it continues on to uh, the final week of the season because if the Rumble Ponies were to win this series, I believe the next series would not begin until the following week. So should be a lot of fun, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully it's not just a short series and – Somerset moves on and double-A baseball ends a little prematurely. Regardless, that's going to be all for today's edition. Locked on Mets, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter, Stein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. Thank you for making Locked on Mets your first listen every day. If you want to catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast this week in Miami, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.